The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. First game of an unprecedented year. We're going to have these battles for a long time. Things are building up to Thursday night. Two opponents in the same conference at AFC, so I'm sure I'll play a lot of games against them. Oh, it's here. It's here. It's finally here. We made it through the offseason. Today is football day. I'm Rob Stats Carrera. This is the very first edition of the Look Ahead podcast. I am so privileged to be here and I want to introduce my co-host who's going to be on this crazy ride with me, Ed Valentine. How you doing, Ed? I'm good, Rob. Hey, football. Are, you know, are you serious? Football. After all this time, after all that's going on this year, we have football. So let's go. It's so good. You could smell it in the air. The days are getting shorter. Like it, we're in it now. We are hours away from kickoff. We're so excited. So what we want to do on this show is we're going to obviously break down the Thursday night game. This week, it's Houston and Kansas City. We'll get into that. And then there's three other games we're going to look at this week. We think they're the three best. It'll be the Packers at the Vikings, the Bucks at the Saints, and we'll close it out with the Sunday night game, uh, the Cowboys at the Rams. And that's kind of what we're going to do every week. We'll, we'll break down the Thursday game and then maybe three or four other games of the week we think you should know about. And we should mention, Rob, that we're going to try to follow as much as we can the, the voting in the weekly SB Nation Reacts poll that uh, that folks at SB Nation put out, uh, you know, trying to find out what games you guys are interested in. Absolutely. We want to hear from you. That's what separates SB Nation from everywhere else is the community that we want to build and we want to be part of with you. So, of course, we want to hear from you. You can always hit us up anytime. And uh, yeah, well, you pick the games and we'll talk about them. So let's get right into it here. Houston at Kansas City. There are so many storylines with this one. I don't even know where to begin. The rematch of the playoffs where the Texans blew a 24-point lead. The Chiefs, of course, defending their Super Bowl title. What is the juiciest part of this game to you, Ed? Who the heck is Deshaun Watson going you know, to throw the ball to? <laughs> Who's he going to throw the ball to? His, his wide receivers in Buffalo, for God's sakes. <laughs> you know it it's uh it's a totally revamped offense here because it's Hopkins is gone and they have Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, and now David Johnson in the backfield too. I mean, they certainly to me seem weaker than they were last year. Well, you know that I, I wrote myself a little note here and that my note says Bill O'Brien, the GM, is Bill O'Brien the head coach's worst enemy. 
I mean, what, what? I don't know what the guy's doing trying to build this team, but you basically downgrade from DeAndre Hopkins and, and you bring in, you know, David Johnson, who was a really good running back about three years ago. I, I, I don't exactly understand what you know what what Bill O'Brien was was doing there you know nonetheless Deshaun Watson is a wonderful player and, and I'm sure he'll make the the absolute most out of out of whatever O'Brien gives him and that's what he's been doing basically his whole career he's one of those quarterbacks who can put the team on their back and it doesn't matter who you put around him they're so talented either running or throwing that they're going to get it done and and Across the field this is another guy who's exactly the same way. And Patrick Mahomes, it's kind of crazy. These guys were two picks apart in the draft in 2017. And they also just got the two biggest contracts in NFL history this offseason as well. You know, you know, that's that's the other thing. You know, moms and dads out there, I know football's a rough game, but you know, teach your teach your kids to be quarterbacks. You you want to be set, teach your kids to be quarterbacks. More than six hundred million dollars between those two guys. This is my theory, Ed, and I want to see if you agree. I think we are looking at the dawn of a new era in the AFC. You know, up until last season, we had Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, or Ben Roethlisberger in the AFC championship every year for 17 straight years. One of those three was in there until last year. I think we're looking at the exact same kind of a situation right now with Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and Lamar Jackson. I think that it's the dawn of the era. That conference is going to be controlled by those three guys. And so the fact that we have Watson and Mahomes week one, I'm so excited. A- absolutely. I think you're you're 100% on target there. I think those are the three quarterbacks, the absolute stars of the AFC. And, and you could absolutely be right that those three guys dominate the next the next decade or so in the AFC. I can't think of a quarterback matchup I'd rather start the season with, to be honest with you. I mean, Watson and Mahomes, one guy, Deshaun Watson, gets kicked in the face. He said he thought his eyeball had popped out of his head. He just adjusted his helmet and threw a touchdown pass anyway. And then you got Mahomes, who pretty much doesn't even have to look at the wide receivers he's throwing to. I mean, this is probably the most exciting quarterback matchup we could get. And here it is, first game of the season. Absolutely. And you know, I mean, I, I cover the Giants you know, on, on a daily basis. And, and and do we really have to talk about Patrick Mahomes? I mean, you go back to to the year that Mahomes was, was drafted, and I, there was so much speculation that maybe the Giants would be the team that would jump up and, and get Patrick Mahomes. And the Giants drafted Davis Webb in the third round. So that so uh, there's just just a little difference there, but uh, so so do we really have to talk that much about Mahomes? Well, all right, let's look at it this way. Look at the look at the defenses in this game, and I want to start with the Kansas City defense because they really went through a shift last year. Down the stretch last year, they only allowed 11.6 points a game. They really turned it up, especially down the stretch in the Super Bowl. I worry about Watson because that Kansas City defense can get pressure up the middle, and I don't care how mobile you are, that's the worst place to get pressure for quarterback. Absolutely it is because when you get pressure through those through those A gaps or up the middle, you know, then you you eliminate one of the things that quarterbacks want to do, even, you know, even the mobile guys, even the ones that like to uh, 
to run around and are capable of making plays with their feet. They like to be able to step up into the pocket, get away from those edge guys. And, and when you don't give them any, any place to step up, you know, that then you can get them into panic mode. And, and, you know, I have a ton of respect for Steve Spagnolo, who's the Kansas city defensive coordinator. Spags did two tours with the giants was their interim head coach for a little while. Always thought that Spagnolo, you know, his he's got kind of a checkered resume, but I always thought that he was a guy, if given the right talent, if given players that he wanted for the the 4-3 sort of, you know, system where where in pass rush situations he uses a lot of defensive ends. Given the right players, I always thought that he was a terrific defensive coordinator who really knew what to do with talent. And I think that really started to show itself at the end of the year in Kansas City. And on the flip side, how'd you like to be new Texans defensive coordinator, Anthony Weaver? I mean, good luck. Right out of the gate, you get the Kansas City Chiefs. No offseason, no preseason, you know, abbreviated training camp. Here you go, coach. Go stop Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, good good luck. Good luck with that. You know, how about you just get out of the way, you know, let them let them score and give Watson the ball back. <laughs> this I mean, it's absolutely wild. And by the way, I just want to sneak this in. Andy Reid, six and one with the Chiefs in week one. He's anytime you give Andy Reid more than a week to prepare, I feel like the guy never loses. You know, Andy Reid's a wonderful coach. Obviously was in Philadelphia for a long time too, and and just you shake your head at, at how good of an offensive coach this guy really is. And and you 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 give him Patrick Mahomes, you give him Tyreek Hill, you give him the, all the weapons that that they have in Kansas City, and, and you toss in, you know, uh Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, this year that they drafted in the first round. I mean, it's almost unfair. I mean, give me give me a break, you know. How about you know give give him a team with 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 struggling players and and see what he can do? It's almost unfair to give him these kinds of weapons. Well, and this is what happens, right? You combine elite talent with elite coaching, and you get Super Bowls. And I know Andy Reid hasn't been able to win one until last year, but I mean the guy has been an incredible offensive coach for so many years now. And I mean, if you're a fan of a team in the AFC, good luck because. He's not going anywhere for a while. They got Mahomes locked up. They they have everything set in Kansas City. They're bringing back almost everybody from last year. It's incredible. Yeah, it is. You know, it's one of those things with these Thursday night football games. You know how they've gone over the years. You get a lot of these Thursday night football games that are that are just sort of meh, you know, matchups. It's like, oh, there's a football game on, and and I don't care who's you know, people are going to watch sometimes no matter who's playing. But but this is one of those games that you get fired up about because this is, you know, this is, is as as we've said, Mahomes versus Watson, you know, lots of star power here. Start of a season when it's been a really rough year for for all of us in so many ways. There's just so much to be fired up about, you know, with with tonight. So we'll see. uh you know, maybe maybe we'll even get to you know to see you know Patrick Mahomes throw a left-handed pass or something. That's the thing. Like you could see something that you've never seen before. He may go lefty. Well, actually, we have seen him go lefty before. Maybe he'll go around the back. I've I've been seeing videos of him working on the behind the back pass out of the backfield. I, I could see him trying I, to pull that off. I, I don't want to see Andy Reid have a stroke though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it works, 
<laughs> right? Then he has no problem with it. There you go. You know, it's like it's one of those it's one of those deals where you know I coach uh, I, I coach kids basketball, and that's one of those deals where it's like you know you 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 don't want the kid to shoot the ball, and you're like no until it goes in, <laughs> and then you're like oh nice job. Well, you probably know this story because you covered the Giants. Lawrence Taylor with Bill Parcells. It was one play where Lawrence Taylor was supposed to drop back into coverage and he didn't know what the heck he was doing. So he said, ah, forget it. And he just rushed the quarterback and he sacked him. He may even have caused a fumble. I'm not sure. And uh, they go back to the sideline and Parcells looks at him and says, you know, Lawrence, that play is not in the playbook. And Lawrence Taylor looks back at him and says, yeah, well, maybe it should be. <laughs> there you go. You know, I, you, you don't, you don't take Lawrence Taylor and put him in coverage very often, but, uh, Tremendous athletes. I guess it's called sometimes it's, you know, playing beyond the X's and O's. And there's only so much that coaches can can do. And and there's certain levels of things that coaches can't teach. And guys like Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, they have those things that you just can't teach. It, and that what's that's one of the things that makes it great, because you never know when you're going to see one of those things that that just can't be taught. And obviously we're excited about the game. We're all fired up and, you know, it's week one. But if you step back for a second and, and take a look at the bigger picture, this game could have serious seating implications later in the season. Because don't forget, only one team gets a first round bye. So there's only one top dog now in each conference. And Houston and Kansas City, I mean, you got to figure Kansas City is going to be in that mix and Houston maybe as well. So the winner of this game could have a nice little feather in their cap as we go down the stretch here this season. Sure. You know, home field advantage is always something. And we don't know between now and and January, who knows what's going to happen in terms of fans in stands and all that. But but if you can get a home field advantage, then uh, obviously that's that's something that you want. And, and amazingly, as you said, you know, the first game of the season could have some implications that way. I think they are going to allow fans in Kansas City. I believe it's like 17,000 fans are going to be allowed uh, in the stadium, which is significant because obviously that's nowhere near capacity for Arrowhead, which is the loudest stadium in the league. So the Chiefs usually have that advantage at home. They're not going to have as, as much of an advantage, obviously, with such a small crowd. No, they won't. You know, it's a weird thing with the, the NFL this year, and we all understand, I think, that that each state, each region – you know, is in a little bit different circumstance, but it's a weird thing where some teams are going to be allowed to have, you know, small numbers of fans and some teams are going to play in empty stadiums. And, and I, I, I honestly think that everyone recognizes that in some way that's a competitive, you know, disadvantage for some teams, but, uh, you know, but I don't know what you do. Do you tell, do you tell States and t t tell teams where, you know, where they could have fans, do you tell them they can't? It's just, that's a strange thing. It is a weird thing. And it's weird to see Roger Goodell say multiple times that it doesn't make a difference, which I think is crazy. I mean, no one would say that it doesn't matter if there's fans in the stands or not, especially in places like New Orleans and Arrowhead, like we said, and Seattle. I mean, you know, Ed, it makes a huge difference, especially on third down and in crunch time situations. You know, it's funny because I've mentioned, you know, I cover the Giants mostly and we've talked to players with the Giants and we've talked to Joe Judge and and players will tell you that once a game starts, they don't notice the fans. And 
that's a bunch of nonsense. That's an absolute <laughs> bunch of nonsense that they don't notice the fans. You you tell me they don't notice when they're at home that if they do something really well, if they make a spectacular play, score a touchdown, you know, whatever, create an interception. You, you tell me they don't notice the electricity in the stadium, the energy, the excitement that that causes. And also, don't tell me that they don't notice the booing. And in the in the case of, of my Giants who have been bad in recent years, don't tell me they don't notice fans, you know, packing up their stuff and leaving the building, you know, just about the time the fourth quarter starts. I totally agree. They can say one thing, but just look how they act on the field. They very, very clearly do notice, and it's going to be different this year, at least in some of the stadiums. All right, I think we've covered – oh, uh, I should get your pick for the game. How foolish of me. Oh, you got to go Chiefs. Got to go Chiefs to uh, to win this one. The Chiefs are favored by nine points. Do you think they cover the spread? I would take the Texans by the spread, to be honest with you, but but I think the Chiefs win the game. Yeah, that's fair. I can't see Andy Reid's squad going down opening week. They still have Mahomes. They have all the continuity there. The Texans are trying to break in an entirely new offense like we talked about. I have no love lost for the Chiefs because they beat my 49ers in the Super Bowl, but I got to pick with my head on this one, and my head says Kansas City. All right, let's move on now to the second game we're going to look at. That is the Packers and the Vikings. Another, uh, This is a division game, another game that could have seating implications, not just in the division, but also in the conference as well. And I got to tell you, I'm not sure right now that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in this game. I'm not sure. I think it might be Kirk Cousins. And isn't that weird to say that? Yes. But but the reality of the the reality of it is all you have to do is look at the numbers with Aaron Rodgers to realize that he hasn't been the vintage Aaron Rodgers that we all remember. He hasn't been that guy for 2 or 3 years now. He's 36 years old. You have to wonder if he's ever going to be that that Aaron Rodgers who threw, you know, who threw darts and who was incredibly accurate and who ev- pretty much everything he threw was exactly on target. Uh, I don't think we've seen that. We've seen a little bit more erratic, you know, nature of his throws the last couple of seasons. So yeah, you know, it, you you could well you, you could have a point there that when when you talk about Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins. But I look at this game and I I look at both of these teams and and Minnesota has talked for a couple of years now about, you know, about being a Super Bowl contender. Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers always talks about and and seems to feel like a Super Bowl contender. But I look at at both of these teams and and I want to know at some point, are they contenders or are they pretenders? Are they teams that just... That, that just talk about it. Are they really championship caliber teams? I just don't know. But here's the thing that stands out to me, especially with these two teams, right? Don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. What did the Vikings do? Now, they did trade Stephon Diggs, which I don't love, but they also made a move to beef up their defense. They traded to get Yannick Ngankwe, who is an absolute monster as a pass rusher, and he's going to pair with Daniil Hunter, who's coming off two straight years of 14 and a half sacks. They at least recognized the weakness, and they went to address it. 
especially after Everson Griffin went to the Cowboys. They knew they had to fill that spot, and they did. Look at the flip side. Look at the Green Bay Packers. They get absolutely smashed by the 49ers twice last year, especially in the NFC title game where the 49ers ran it 42 times and passed it only eight. And what did the Packers do this offseason? Well, with their first round pick, they took a quarterback. They traded up to take Jordan Love. And with their second round pick, they took a running back. They didn't draft a wide receiver to help Aaron Rodgers. They didn't draft or sign anybody to help shore up that defense to make sure they don't get run over again this season. I don't understand if the Packers are Super Bowl contenders, why didn't they act like it this offseason? You raise a really good point there, Rob, because you have a 36-year-old quarterback. His window isn't very big anymore. You still believe he's got the ability you know, he, he's still Aaron Rodgers, for crying out loud. He he may not be, you know, prime of his career Aaron Rodgers anymore, but he is still Aaron Rodgers. As an organization, you would think that your primary responsibility is to make sure that you maximize whatever time he's got left. And if you don't, if if you don't, if you don't give him weapons, and if you don't shore up that defense, I mean, that's that's almost organizational malpractice. Amen. It, it really is. And, and you know, it's 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 funny because it's just I get the fact that that you want to be in a position of of having, you know, a guy, a backup or, a you know, a guy to replace Aaron Rodgers at some point down the road. But. But Jordan Love, come on. You know, I mean, I, I, I didn't get that at all. And, and besides which, you know that Aaron Rodgers is not going to react well to that. You know he's not going to welcome this guy with open arms. I, I don't understand that at all. You're absolutely right. You know, help Aaron Rodgers. Don't, you know, don't start prepping for the time when he's not there anymore. I, that, I completely agree. If you've seen a little bit of a decline in Aaron Rodgers' skills, which we've seen a little bit of a decline, like you said, you have to help him. You have to get people around him. Look at when the Colts had Peyton Manning. Reggie Wayne was there. Marvin Harrison was there. Edron James was there. Dwight Freeney, Bob Sanders. They put star big-name guys around him to support him. We don't see that in Green Bay. They have Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers. I mean – they had Ty Montgomery. They had a receiver lining up as a running back, for goodness sakes. They, they need to help him more. Well, the Denver Broncos, you know, the Denver Broncos won a Super Bowl, you know, when 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 Peyton Manning, you know, basically was a noodle arm at that point in his career. You know, I mean, they won a Super Bowl because they had a phenomenal defense. They had everything around him that he needed, you know, to just let his brain help them win games. Yeah, absolutely. Peyton Manning was beating teams from the neck up uh, when he was with the Broncos, for sure. Now, I do want to point out that neither one of these quarterbacks were actually good against the other team when they played last year. Cousins really was not good at all. He was uh, 0-2. He threw for 230 yards in the first game. That was his highest yardage total. And his teams outscored 44 to 26 in two games against the Packers last year. So he's not inspiring much either, but I still feel like I have more faith in him, partly because of the guys around him. 
Oh, sure. I, I, I understand that. And I think that, that, you know, you're absolutely right. I do wonder what the, I think the, uh, the Vikings have placed Daniil Hunter on on IR for the time being. I wonder how much that's going to hurt their defense in the short term. They still have a ton of of really good players. Kirk Cousins to me is one of those one of those guys who's who's a good quarterback. He can do some things for you, but needs that supporting cast. I just wonder if he's the guy that can get the Vikings over the hump long term. I mean, in this game on, you know, in this this game this weekend, you know, fine. I think, you know, I, I but I but I just don't know if long term when you get to the crunch time playoff games, if he's the guy that I want behind center. Four of the Vikings first five games this year are against teams that made the playoffs last season. So, I mean, they don't have a slow start to the year. They've got to get it in gear right away. And I always hate starting with a division game because you never know what can happen in division game. The team knows you better than anybody else because they play you twice a year. And like we mentioned earlier, this I mean, this game could go a long way to determining who wins a division. And playoff seating because both of these teams think they're going to be in the playoffs at the end of the year. Well, you know, the one thing that that I think I'll fall back on in this game, despite the uh, the fact that uh, that Daniil Hunter won't play for Minnesota, is established defense is always something that you can lean on. We know what the Minnesota Vikings are defensively. They can be an absolutely dominant defensive team. They have a solid running game. They have a capable quarterback on offense. We really don't know what we're going to get from the Green Bay Packers. We just don't know what we're going to get on defense. We don't really know for sure you know, what we'll get what we'll get from from them on offense but so i mean i i have to lean toward the vikings in this game simply because the when i when i look at this game the the unit that stands out for me the one i know i can bank on is that minnesota defense that's fair and i think that the packers even though they went 13 and 3 last year to me they aren't as good as that record made them look last year they were 8 and 1 in one score games I don't think that kind of streak is going to continue. Uh, I No one scares me on the Packers. I hate to say it because they have Aaron Rodgers, but I, I no one scares me on that team. And, and Minnesota has guys that can wreck games. So I, I have to agree with you. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Nobody on that team scares you uh, at this point in time. So two more games we want to look at before we go. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll we'll get to the old guys. You thought Aaron Rodgers was old? Well, we're going to a whole other stratosphere with Tom Brady and Drew Brees. We'll break down Bucks, Saints and Cowboys Rams after the break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Ed. Now it's time. 
Time to see the quarterback that people have been wanting to see ever since he signed with the Bucs. Tom Brady makes his Tampa debut in New Orleans against fellow old guy, Drew Brees. How weird is it going to be? I mean, maybe we've seen a couple pictures, but how weird is it going to be to see Tom Brady on your television screen, you know, in orange? It's going to be unreal. It's going to be surreal. That's the word I'm looking for because I picture Brady. I picture the red, white, and blue. He's he's Captain America, right? He's America's quarterback. And now he's going to be with crazy Congo hat Bruce Arians. Well, you know, it's something I never thought I would see is Brady playing for a team other than the Patriots. And, you know, it, it's just so interesting because you you can look at history and 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 as a guy who covers the Giants, you know, I, I watched Eli Manning for 16 years. And and I was so happy when when his time basically ended with the Giants. They drafted Daniel Jones a year ago. I was happy this offseason that Eli Manning chose to retire, spend his whole career as a giant, because, you know, some guys you just connect to certain franchises. And and, and we know that you look at the history of quarterbacks that have tried to do this. Joe Montana tried to do it. Um, I think about Joe Namath as a as a member of the Los Angeles Rams. Uh you, you think of, of, you know, Johnny Unitas changing teams late in his career if you want to go way back. But but sometimes this gets ugly. Sometimes it just doesn't work. And, and you know, Tom Brady's 43 years old, and, and he's not the quarterback that he used to be. He doesn't throw the ball with the same zip that he used to. I mean, and I think that was one of the issues in New England. They just didn't surround him with enough offensive talent the last couple of seasons, and 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 he was frustrated by that. But but it's just fascinating. I know Arians is a great coach, and they've got some great receivers in Tampa Bay. But but is this actually going to work? Can Tom Brady win in Tampa Bay? We're finally going to get an answer, at least somewhat, to the question of who was more responsible for the Patriots' success, right? Belichick or Brady? They're finally split up. Um, and no offseason for Brady to acclimate himself to all these new guys. Gronk, too. I mean, who knows what we're going to get from Gronk? We haven't seen him play in the league in a few years. Uh, there's a lot of question marks there with how well that offense can gel. They also have to work in um, Shady McCoy at running back and Leonard Fournette, who they just signed. So there are some pieces there in Tampa Bay which leads me to believe they'll, they'll be a better team later in the season than they are right now. Oh, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, they, they have a lot of pieces to, to put together there. This is the first time that Tom Brady's had to really learn a new offense in, in what, almost 20 years. So it's, it's a lot to put together and, and, but we'll see how it all, how it all comes comes together they'll be a fascinating team to watch all season long there's absolutely no doubt about that there's absolutely no doubt that Brady is surrounded by better offensive talent in Tampa Bay than he was you know in recent years in in New England so we'll, we'll see uh we'll see how how well they do offensively like I said it's just fascinating but here you've got you've got Drew Brees, you've got Tom Brady, and can either one of them complete a pass more than 25 yards down the field? <laughs> well, no, that's why the Saints have Taysom Hill, right? They bring him in for the deep throws. 
There you go. I mean, it, it, it really is amazing how I look at Drew Brees and, and, and you talk about, I, I mentioned, you know, Peyton Manning being kind of a noodle arm at the end of his career. You watch the New Orleans Saints and, and Drew Brees hardly throws anything more than 20 yards down the field. And yet they still score a ton of points. They're, you, you play against them and, and you almost know that, that you're not going to be challenged vertically you know, on defense. You're not going to be challenged deep down the field. And yet they make a living killing you on these crossing routes and these 15-yard intermediate throws. And and you know, they're they're just they're they're phenomenal. And and as good as Breeze is, you have to think that there's a benefit to the fact that he's been with Sean Payton now for for how many years have they been together now? You know, they've been together for more than a decade anyway. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible the success that they have had, like you said, primarily not going down the field. And the continuity in New Orleans is great for the Saints. I mean, they, like you said, it's not a new system there. Everybody knows what they're doing. And don't forget, this is a team that is used to, I shouldn't say used to, but did well in 2011 after the lockout. They went 13-3. and So Sean Payton has at least a little bit of experience sort of dealing with a weirder, abbreviated offseason. Uh, and you mentioned the points that they score. I want to point out, in two games against Tampa Bay last year, the Saints scored 65 points and put up almost 800 yards of total offense. And I think that's sort of the overlooked storyline of this game. Can the Bucks D slow down that Saints offense? They were better at the end of last season, but I don't know. I don't, I don't see that happening very much. Do you? No, I really don't either. You know, I just wonder, I mean, are we, are we going to see Alvin Kamara? Because I, I know that, that there have been issues with his contract, you know, I, so we don't know where that all is going to go and, and, you know, how that might hurt the saints as far as we know he'll play, but, but the saints, when they, when they get things going to me, that, the Tampa Bay defense doesn't scare me. You know, we talked about, you know, groups and units that 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 scare, you know, that scare you a little bit and and, and the Tampa Bay defense doesn't doesn't necessarily scare me. So, we'll see. It's I I think that Tom Brady probably hasn't been in a lot of shootout kind of games in uh, in recent years. He just didn't have that kind of offense in New England, but he might have to uh he might have to 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 be in a shootout this weekend if he if he wants to try to win that game. No, it's you're one hundred percent right, Brady. You know, is- oh, I was, I'm sorry, Rob. The one thing I was going to say is I I noticed this week the really cool thing about this game. This is the first time since week two of 2015 that Tom Brady has been an underdog in a regular season game. That's insane. And the, when it comes to the betting line, it's the first time he's been an underdog. Since week two of 2015, I think that's 74 games. Welcome to life the way the other half lives. (laughs) There you go. You're right about Brady not having to score a ton of points. When he was with the Patriots, on average, during his time with the Patriots, they gave up 18, almost 18 and a half points a game. That was the lowest in the league. So if he scored 20 points, he won, basically. He's going to have to score a lot more than 20, I think, pretty frequently with Tampa Bay. Um, and he's got the weapons to do that if they can put all the pieces together. There's no doubt about that. He's got the weapons to to get that done 
if you know if they can put the pieces together if he still has and, and we haven't seen him we haven't seen him this you know it, there was no preseason if he still has the the zip on the fastball to 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 make the throws he's got the pieces so we'll just have to see if they come together I believe the Saints are a three and a half point favorite, according to our friends at DraftKings. Brady, new team on the road. What do you think, Ed? You going to take the points? I'm taking the Saints all the way on this one. Wow. Maybe it's a Giants thing with me, Rob, but I just I I I, I should know not to bet against Brady, but I'm betting against Brady anyway. Well, in your favor. The Saints have scored, uh, have won more games in the last three years than any other team. They're 37 and 11. So, I mean, they win. So you're not crazy for that. I think it's going to take a little time for Brady to, to just sort of get everything together. You know, you have to gel. You can't gain cohesiveness in football without playing football. And they haven't been playing actual games yet. So I, I will side with you on this one. I hate to keep agreeing with you, but. I've got to go New Orleans in that in this one. So we're both taking the Saints. One more game we want to look at before we go, and that's the Sunday night game. Cowboys at the Rams. The Rams opening up their gorgeous brand new stadium with zero people in the stands. <laughs> oh, what are you gonna do? You know, it's just it's it's unfortunate that that uh that they have to open with nobody there. But you know, I, I but but I look at I look at this game and 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 I look at the Cowboys and and I keep hearing about how they're going to be so much better because Jason Garrett's gone and Mike McCarthy is the head coach now and you know it it wasn't really all that long ago when Mike McCarthy got fired in the middle of a season and people thought that the NFL in terms of how they played offensive football had passed Mike McCarthy by because his system hadn't changed in more than more than a decade. So yes, the Dallas Cowboys have a ton of weapons. Yes. They drafted CD lamb. Yes. They have Amari Cooper. They have Ezekiel Elliott. They have that vaunted offensive line. They have Dak Prescott, but I want to see it. I need to see how all of a sudden, you know, how how Mike McCarthy has has suddenly, you know, morphed into this into this into this tremendous offensive head coach that that he clearly wasn't his last few years in Green Bay. You're a hundred percent right. I mean, he has undergone such a PR shift. I don't even know a reputation shift. Don't forget, remember the article that came out about Mike McCarthy that said that he was getting massages. The team's holding meetings and Mike McCarthy's getting a massage. Like that's the same guy now that people are hailing as this offensive guru. And I agree with you. I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. Well, I do think there's an there's a the distinct possibility that the talent there is so good that it'll make him look good. And, and to be honest with you, I kind of wonder for a long time in Green Bay if that's not what actually happened, because Aaron Rodgers won him a lot of football games. Aaron Rodgers, you know, did a lot of things that no other quarterback can do. And, you know, when, when he was in his prime and, and, and won him a lot of football games, you know, and again, I hate to keep coming back to, to the giants, but the giants hired Ben McAdoo 
out of Mike McCarthy's system. And what Giants fans found out was Ben McAdoo tried to run Mike McCarthy's system. And basically what we found out was Aaron Rodgers made Mike McCarthy's system, (laughs) you know, because there were times when there were times when as good a quarterback as Eli Manning was, things wouldn't go right with the Giants and, and you would, and you would ask Ben McAdoo, you know, how to fix it. And, and his response was basically, I want Aaron Rodgers to be my quarterback because he would say he, well, what he would say was, well, you know, there's no defense for a perfect throw, (laughs) you know, which is, which is true. But if your entire offense is based on, I have to have a quarterback who can make a perfect throw on every play, then, you know, then you have a little bit of an issue. And not for nothing. I don't know how much Mike McCarthy can improve. Dak Prescott threw for almost 5,000 yards last season and had 30 touchdowns. Like, it's not like he was bad. So, I mean, I guess McCarthy's going to revolutionize things or improve things, well, but it's a, it's a high bar. Well, you also have to understand that, that for a long time now, the fans in Dallas, you know, they wanted Jason Garrett gone. They wanted him out of there. They, you know, they, they had lost patience. They were tired of Jason Garrett years ago. So, you know, I, I think that, that you and I would be drawing raves if we were the coach in Dallas right now, because our name's not Jason Garrett. That's true. They're just happy that the clapper is gone. Uh, By the way, the Cowboys, this is a fact that I find stunning. And this is just the 49er fan in me taking glee in this. The Cowboys have not made an NFC title game in a quarter century. They have not been back to the NFC Championship since 1995. So the fans in Dallas are getting antsy, and they finally got rid of Jason Garrett. And in comes Mike McCarthy. And and I think I don't want to call this a soft opening because I don't think the Rams are a bad team, but I don't think the Rams are going to be contending for anything major in the NFC this season. I I think the Rams are one of those teams. It it's really interesting. Two years ago. I think they were what 13 and 3, you know, made the Super Bowl, didn't win the game obviously. You had, you know, Jared Goff looked at as as, you know, maybe the guy that was going to be one of the one of the next, you know, superstar quarterbacks. You had Sean McVay being looked at as this wonderkind of a head coach. And and I think 2 years later we look at the Rams and we're like what are they? What is Sean McVay? What is Jared Goff? What is this football team? We don't know. You know, and I think that I think they have a lot to prove and 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 I don't know which way it's going to go for them cuz I've I've never been a big Jared Goff guy and and is Sean McVay, you know, going to be a great long-term head coach? I think I think this year will tell us a lot. I mean, I, I'm not necessarily a fan of these one side of the ball head coaches who, you know, who come in only because they're a good play caller and this and that, you know, so we'll see. Well, I think Sean McVay and, and the Rams have a lot to prove this year. You want to talk specifically about this game? I, I think I have to pick Dallas in this one. Um, 
just because I think that they're a little bit more established. I think we, you know, we know a little bit more about what they are and what they have at this point. Yeah, they're a three-point favorite, by the way, on the road, too. So that tells you what Vegas thinks of the Cowboys in this game. With the Rams, I like your point because they had a good plan on the way in, right? When Sean McVay was first hired there, he was there, and Wade Phillips was the defensive coordinator. And they basically said, look, Sean, you do the offense. Wade will take care of the defense, and away you guys go. And it worked, and that was good. But now McVay's had a chance to get his feet underneath him a little bit. He should take more responsibility than simply sitting on the bench when his team was on defense. I don't know if you remember this. There are multiple shots of McVay not even watching the game when the Rams defense was on the field his first year. He was going over things with the offense and looking at this and that. He, he's got to take more of a, a managerial kind of overseeing type of role and because the Rams have three new coordinators this year, which is incredible in an in abbreviated offseason. Absolutely it is. And it's just it's just difficult to put the pieces together when you didn't have a spring. You had an abbreviated training camp. You didn't have any preseason games, which granted your starters, your key guys don't play a lot in preseason games. But one of the, I think, underappreciated things about those preseason games especially for a, a new head coach or for a new coaching staff is there are mechanics of how a game works and how things get called and how coaches communicate with each other, you know, and, and, and just who speaks, who speaks when, and, and how all of that works and the communication between coaches. And it's hard when you've never done that and you walk into a game that counts and you're trying to figure that stuff out. That's, that's the kind of thing that that leads to mistakes. It leads to screwed up clock management. It leads to, you know, to to errors in judgment at the end of halves and at the end of games. And and preseason games help teams iron those things out. So it, it takes a while, not only for teams and players, but you're putting three new coordinators, you know, with with this team, as you said, and it's going to take a while for them to to figure everything out. So if I'm reading this right, and I like to think that I am, we both like Houston. Uh, excuse me. We both like Kansas City over Houston. We mm-hmm. both like Minnesota over Green Bay. We both like New Orleans over Tampa Bay. And we both like the Cowboys over the Rams. Am I right? I believe that you're right. You know, we, we got we, we to gotta get some games next week that we can fight about. <laughs> Stop agreeing <laughs> with me, you jerk. <laughs> there you go well i don't i think that's it i don't know i can't go anywhere after that uh we yeah i don't know like subscribe rate review the podcast sb nation nfl show you'll get this show you'll also get the entire lineup of shows every weekday you're going to get a brand new show something different is going to be offered to you every day so please like and subscribe and like we said we're going to talk to you each week we want to hear about the games that you want us to break down. And then every Thursday we will do exactly that. Ed, I want to thank you very much. Stick with me. We'll come back next week. We'll do it even better. We hope so. You know, it's uh version 1.0 is, is, uh, is always the, the trial balloon. You know, you, you never just stay with the first version. So uh, we'll, we'll get better. Hopefully we'll uh, hopefully folks enjoy hearing us and, and enjoy all of the shows on, uh, 
the SB Nation NFL show, which is really five shows. Keep you uh, keep you going all week long. So get your wings, get your beverage of choice, whatever it may be. Sit down in front of that TV, park it there for like two and a half, three hours. Enjoy the game tonight, everybody. We'll be right back.